0: after the death. I've never seen a man as much afraid to die, but deep down in the consciousness of men, whether they own up to it or not, there's one verse of Scripture that men deep down inside, they don't act like it, but they do. They believe that out on the other side of death there's the judgment. They don't act like it, I know. They say an unsaved man's crazy. You believe that? He's crazy. Unsaved man doesn't have a sound mind. He's got an unsound mind. He can't see straight. can't think straight. His values are wrong. I've seen lots of men die. Been at the bedside of many, 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 many. I told you how many wouldn't believe it. Oh, it's, it's something to be at the bedside of a man that's dying without God. I've never been to bedside of a man no matter how. Rambunctious and blasphemous and rebellious he was in life. When death's dew was on his brow and the rattle was in his throat, <clears> throat> found out he just like the rest of us. Down deep in his heart, he's afraid of what's out yonder. wasn't afraid until it's too late, but he's afraid. God's got a bloodhound, gets on a man's trail, and he'll hound him, and he'll torment him, as long as God lives. There was a man who was so unimportant that the scriptures do not give his name simply says he was a rich man, and says a certain rich man, and tells about how he lived, and then tells about his death, and the scripture tells about him being buried, and then in strange language that presents problems that this preacher doesn't quite all have all the answers of, the next verse pictures him not in the grave, but in hell. And in language that, if taken utterly, literally, of course, is silly, but in language that I guess the Holy Spirit adjusts so that some of us poor little weak minded people get a little of truth, we have a man whose body is yet in the grave. His tongue's in the grave. His brain is in the grave. His body's still in the grave, but he isn't. He's in hell. And in language that we will not argue about, he's one thing about him, he knows where he is. He's conscious where he is. And he's in great torments. He's suffering. And he's made the cry out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Little late, too late. The most terrible thing that can be said about the day you and I live in, after we've said everything else, the one thing that characterizes our day is that the Holy Spirit Seems to have left this generation to its own devices. That's the saddest thing that can possibly be said if it's true, and there's a whale of a lot of truth in it. The late this man called, have mercy on me. Of course, he didn't ask for salvation for he had no desire to be right with God we do not believe but it's so that if anybody here tonight has the slightest desire to be right with God be in the favor of God to have passed out from under the suspending condemnation and judgment of God that God gave you that desire you can't glory in it left alone no man will ever have the slightest desire to be right with God. For he hates God, and he wants nothing to do with it. This man, of course, he didn't ask for saving mercy. He didn't want it. He still didn't want to be saved. He still didn't want to be brought to repentance. He knew he was in hell, simply because he didn't repent. Not because God pushed him to have but because he didn't repent. But he still had no desire to repent. You'll never have the slightest desire to repent unless God give you that desire. Amen. But he did want some relief from his suffering. He is still looking out for number one and to the devil with the consequences. He's still chanting, I'm going to live my own life. If it sends my mother to a premature grave and drags my children with
1: me and makes a mental case out of my wife and tears down every church
0: building and burns
1: up every Bible in the country, I'm going to live my own
0: life. I'm not interested in anybody but myself. He's still looking out for number one. And he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. What you want me to do? I want you to send Lazarus, and just before he leaves, I want you to let him dip the tip of his finger in water and bring that finger that has just been dipped in water and bring it down here and put that finger on my tongue, for I'm tormented. I'm tormented in this flame. and my text, it's tremendous. Oh, it's awful. But so Abraham said, Son, remember... That's God's bloodhound. Son, remember, I don't expect hell be so bad if it wasn't for this memory. Oh, remember that if you could just leave that in the grave, but you'll take it with you to eternity. Son, remember, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things. And Lazarus had his evil things. Now the tables have been turned. He had all the suffering you'll ever have in this little short life. Now he's comforted. You had all the good you'll ever have in this little life. Now you're tormented. It's a bad swap. It's a bad swap. This life is pretty short. Man, fool, to make a swap like that. But men do. Son, remember. I do not know all about this scripture, if it's a parable. It does say one thing. It describes the consciousness and sufferings of men in life beyond the grave. It may be the actual, was a man who was a rich man whose name's not given. There may be been a man named, I do not know about that. Uh, but there are three things I think this scripture does bring before us, I mention them, two of them in passing. First I suppose. The some of the torment this man was in was physical. I suppose since sin brings physical torment and suffering in this life, and it does, I suppose it does in the one to come. In other words, sometimes preachers argue considerably about whether there's a literal fire in hell. Well, I suppose that we'd best not try to say there is no fire in hell but we do know that there's no fire like we know about or else this man would be consumed. whatever kind of fire that is it'll keep on burning but I wouldn't argue about that except to say that if I'm speaking to a wife here tonight who really knows God and you live with a husband who's an enemy of God the physical suffering you may be enduring by having some bodily pain is worth mentioning in comparison with the agony of your spirit and your soul. Physical suffering, most anybody can bear it. Did you know it? I've preached under great suffering, And you can bear it. You can bear it. I know that when my Lord hung on the cross, they spat on him, they nailed him to the tree, they pierced his side, they pressed the crown of thorns on his forehead. Many physical indignities and hurts he endured, but that wasn't the worst of it. That wasn't, that wasn't it. Oh, if all that we had to warn men of was that they would suffer physically. In eternity it wouldn't be so bad however much of physical suffering tormenting in flames and men will endure I know one thing there's some positive about the mental and spiritual suffering in hell will be the terrible thing and the two things about the mental and spiritual suffering men will endure forever And ever, and ever, and ever, one of them is they'll suffer the torment of being utterly, absolutely, eternally forsaken by Almighty God. No man to whom I speak tonight, I hope, has been reprobated. You see, nobody will be in hell except reprobates. You see, men who've been given over to a reprobate mind, my no preacher could describe the horrors of having to spend eternity as one more reprobate and everybody else is his reprobate and breathes this hatred of God like me. That must be a terrible atmosphere. No wonder there's everlasting contempt in hell. Nobody's got any respect for everybody hates everybody else in eternal hell. Separation from God! I hope the Lord hadn't given up on you. I hope that when I preach it the Lord perish and I'm alive and you are still here, that there'll not be a single person, I hope the and be full, wish it would, and hanging out to them, and please me, if every
1: one of them
0: was still in a state of grace, had not been given up on by a holy God and condemned to live in hell earth and throughout eternity. But that's what it means to be forsaken of Almighty God and there are multitudes of people walking your streets tonight that are already in hell, brother. God's quit them. God's quit them. But I know one thing, brother. A man, when God quits him, he didn't inhale in hell under, That's hell. The greatest picture of the suffering that men will endure in hell is found in Emmanuel's Orphan Cry. Here's what the anguish of hell is. Here's what the re- very essence of hell is. Here is what the law of God demands. And the penalty of breaking God's law is finally to be. Utterly forsaken by Almighty God. Oh, my Lord, when he is hanging there, not for his own sins but for mine, Utterly rejected, utterly forsaken. He cried out of the agony of his heart, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me. My wife will not sleep well tonight, For sometimes when she's with me, which is not often, I tell of the only time in our experience where we were able to understand just a little bit of the agony and the heartbreak and the Helplessness and the hopelessness and the forsakenness of that awful cry, when God's well-beloved and His only begotten Son, forsaken by people on earth, despised and rejected of men, hanging on a cursed tree in the agony of His soul, looked up into God's face. And said, Why? Why have you forsaken me? I was away from home, of course, when our firstborn child got sick under death. They called me and I drove many miles. And when I got home, the doctor had gone and left the nurse, and she met me and she said, You may go in. She hadn't but a little while, three and a half years old, oh, the only child. My wife was in there. I sat on one side of the bed and she sat on the other. By the time I got home, my little girl was past speaking. She was in awful bodily uh, agony. She was a daddy baby. And I sat there and my wife and my wife sort of lost control of herself. While the baby died, she'd move her lips Look at my face. And I know what she's trying to say, Daddy, why? Why don't you help me? Why don't you help me? I know what she says. And I would have helped her if I could. But I couldn't. And God could have helped his son. But he wouldn't. And his son looked up into his face and said, My God. My God, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? God turned his back on his son. And the earth protested. And the sun wouldn't even shine on that thing. And the earth quaked. And the rocks were rent asunder. And God did what I had to do. Watch his well-beloved son die. Brother, if you go on in your rebellion, your pious religiosity, and trample that agony of God into your dirty feet, you ought to go to hell, for I tell you, God could have sent a legion of angels and taken his son off that cross. And if there's any heart, if God is not a master, if he's not a machine, if it affected me when my only
1: begotten
0: child begged for help and I couldn't give it. Only God knows how it affected him when his son begged for help and he could have given it. But he didn't. And I look you in the face and tell you now, That that cry that sprang from the lips of my Lord, that'll be your cry. Well, that's the cry of an abandoned soul. That's the cry of a forsaken soul. And the heart of the gospel is that he wasn't forsaken because of his own sins. He is forsaken because this thing's so desperate that a God of love had to do it or send everybody to hell. And if that don't break your rebellious will, you ought to burn in hell. And you said your will. But there's another aspect of this awful suffering that the modern preachers make fun of now and say the modern mind is not acceptable to it. And amongst us fundamentalists, we've been... We've been trying to skip over this. And for all of my ministry, we've been trying to get people interested in Jesus who are not afraid of sin, afraid of judgment, afraid of hell. We just, well, camped there until somebody begins to curse and blaspheme and try to push God off the throne, at least be consistent, or to begin to scream for mercy and to crave an interest in the merits of him who went on to the cross for sinners the last thing what is it it's memory son remember that's God's blood hand, doctors tell us I think the latest theory is that every seven years our bodies are completely new I've had several different brains but I still got the same mind there isn't any flesh anything about me that was here seven years ago But I still got my memory. I haven't got the same brain. That fellow's brain was in the grave, but his mind wasn't. His memory wasn't. Oh, he'd been down there all this time, for that fellow, the rich man's body, according to the scriptures, still in the grave. His old brain's long since decayed, but his memory's with him in hell. i tell you, memories can be mighty sweet, or they can be awful bitter. Son, remember, remember, Lord, let's, let's be done with this. Now, what's done is done. Let's just forget about it. No, Abraham said, Son, remember,
1: remember, remember what? Remember what happened down there on the earth. Well, I want to forget it. No, Son, remember, what an awful judgment. To be condemned, to be
0: harassed and tormented. And sat down and trailed by glory throughout a long eternity. Men have their memories in hell. You'll take yours there. I want you to join me tonight. I want to ask Abraham, if he will, to take us on a tour of hell. Abraham, if you don't mind. Take me on a tour of hell, want to help me preach, I want to help me warn sinners, I want to help me brave the ridicule of this religious generation that says, well, that preacher trying to scare people, you're dead right, I sure wish I could scare you, I wish I could get you where you're afraid of sin, I wish I'd get you where you're afraid of facing the holy God, oh, whether I can or not. I want with tears, I want with authority, I want with passion, the word is not of something I thought of, but of the eternal consequences of the fact that God's a holy God and he's got the punish sin. So I want Abraham to take us tonight on a tour of hell. And Abraham and I go down the elevator and land in hell. And immediately we're in Bedland. And
1: I see a multitude to the
0: people over to my right. And
1: they're knocking. Open, open the door, please. Open.
0: I say, what on earth going on over there, Abraham? What they trying to do? Oh, he sat there knocking on the door of Noah's Ark. I say, well, I don't see Noah's Ark yet. He said, oh, no, Noah's Ark's not in hell. But they think it is. It's in their memory. And all they do is go around 24 hours a day, day in
1: and day out.
0: Knock on the shut door. I said, well, there's no door there. No. But it's in their memory. They lived unrighteous lives. How you know? Because Noah preached righteousness, they wouldn't believe him.
1: Oh, they didn't believe
0: that judgment was coming. Time that drove a nail in the ark. It is saying, Judgment coming, judgment coming, judgment coming, judgment coming. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all right. Just that's judgment coming, judgment coming. Get in the ark, get in the ark, get her in the ark. But nobody did, nobody did, nobody did. Seven years more, Noah said, Seven days later, still nobody got in the ark. He condemned the world. He said the both rocking boys. This ain't not going on forever. The wrath of God can be can come to its end sometimes. It's piling up wrath on wrath, vengeance on vengeance, the judgment's coming,
1: judgment's coming, judgment's coming, get
0: the lady healed, he said to his generation, and repent. But nobody did. Nobody did. When the flood came. Scientists tell us there were three billion people on the earth at that time. I don't know whether to tell the truth or not. I have no reason to doubt it. Three billion people. At least as many people as live on this earth now. And you know how many of them God Almighty destroyed and sent
1: to hell. And they're down there now, knocking on a door that's not there, house,
0: it's by memory. But another, for passing by the only ark of safety and drowning under their rebellious spirit of unrighteous lawless living, the cries of the prophet of God, crying righteousness. They'll never get away from it. God sent three billion of them to hell. Oh, I know. I know. And we don't believe that. Oh, a good God wouldn't send three billion people to hell one time less hate so. But he did. He did. God help us. Throw so our Bible away just face it. God's going to catch up with sin some of these days. Right. That's right. And we passed by and Abraham says remember, remember, that's all I got to do, remember, 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 we pass on through the corridors of hell, and I see a man over there, and he's saying, take it away, take it away, take
1: it away, from God's sake, won't somebody please come and take this awful thing away, I'm from it,
0: Please, somebody, take this thing away. And I say, who's that? It? Uh, Abraham, he said, that's Herod. I said, what is he trying to do? He said, he's trying to get somebody to take the head of John the Baptist away. So he carries around with him and tries to get somebody to take it. It's it burning. He can't forget. I say, well, Abraham, I don't see the head of John the Baptist. Abraham said, no, Ralph, the head of John the Baptist isn't in hell. But it's in the memory of Herod. He can't get away from it. He remembers I went out to hear John the Baptist preach and he feared him and, and called him a just man and he quit cheering the back and drinking liquor and stealing money and a few other things. But! But! One day, John said, Herod, you're living in open lawless, adulterous relationship with your brother's wife. And old Herodias would have killed him. But she couldn't. But Herod... Had a drunken party. His stepdaughter danced for him, and in his cups he was pleased, and he he, knew he was gonna give her a present. And she slipped in the curtain, and said, "Mom, what you want me to ask the old man?" Said, "Ask the head of that preacher." And so she came out, and he said, "I'll give you anything
1: you want up to
0: the half of my kingdom." He said, "Well, give me the head of John the Baptist." He sent a couple of boys down and locked the jail door. And took John the Baptist, the greatest man that ever lived. what the scripture says, And they laid his head down on a block like the old turkey gobbler. And severed it off. And put it in a big charger. And took it. And brought it to that wicked woman. And old Herod. Old Herod. Is tormented. By the head of the John the Baptist wife. While I'm speaking to you now. You can't get away from it. And we pass by. And Abraham says, Son, remember. We pass on. And there's a man going around screaming,
1: Oh, if I could just get it off! If I could just get it off! Oh, if I could get it off! Oh, won't you get off? Somebody has to get this off! And I say, Abraham. Well,
0: who's that? Well, that's Pilate. What's the matter here? He's trying to get the blood off his hands. And I walk up close and I don't see. Abraham, I don't see any blood. Oh, no. There's no blood on his hands. It's in his memory. It's in his memory. He remembers. He remembers being warned of his wife. He remembers that experience. He remembers when he tried that fellow Jesus to the law of the Roman Empire, the justest law of the world had ever known, and found not a thing on earth to condemn him over, and he would have released him, but they said, no sir, and there he was, would he offend Caesar, would he offend the Jews, or would he release that innocent man? And so he weighed the situation carefully. Some of you will have to weigh it tonight. That sore spot in your life, it's got to go. If you get to Christ, you're going to weigh it. Some of you will trade your hope of salvation one more time for that rotten spot in your life that kept you from Christ all these days. And so he got him a basin of water, and he washed his hands. But he never did get rid of the blood. And it's still there in his memory. He remembers. And Abraham and I pass by and Abraham says, Son, remember. We pass on. And there's a little girl and she looks up and she sees me and she said, That's Ralph Barrett! Get him away! Get him away! Get
1: away! Get away! Get away! Get away!
0: And I said, Abraham, I know that girl. He said, Yes, sir. Everybody in hell knows who you are, Ross. Said so that little girl just skunked him all the time. Get rid of far away! Get rid far
1: away! I won't see him again! I won't think of him again! Get rid of him! Get rid of him!
0: I said, Abraham, I'm not in hell. No. No. But you are according to her. You're in her memory. She can't forget you. She can't forget that time in Arkansas. One night, fear God, fell on the congregation. Multitudes are swept into the kingdom of God. The whole congregation became a giant primating Christian, praying for souls and sinners screaming for mercy. It was the work of the Sovereign Spirit. That little sixteen-year-old girl didn't kneel, but she stood there and grabbed the pew in front of her Um, until the back the veins in her hands would burst, and a great pool of tears were at her feet, and she she held her on foot nearby in that sort of atmosphere where God's people spoke to her, and the Spirit honored her, and she stood there and and she trembled, and she was and that service passed away. And finally, the people began to go home. And I couldn't have kept from it if the devil and all his angels were there. As the congregation was melting, she kept standing there, going oh, on to that seat and weeping. And I slipped up to her and would have a word to say. And she turned and looked at me and said, "No, don't talk to me." Said I'm going to be saved tomorrow night. Said I'm going to get saved tomorrow night. Said I'm not going to be saved tonight. Said I know she talked to me. I'm not going to be saved tonight. And the tears melted and she turned loose and all I could think of, Proverbs twenty seven and one, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. And she went home. And at ten o'clock the next morning, she's a star basketball player, girl basketball player, right the little high team. And she was practicing and she got right in the exact middle of the court and she gave a great agonizing cry and fell over on the floor. By the time the players got to her, she was dead tomorrow. She died. Oh, uh, she said the night before, don't talk to me. I'm going to get saved tomorrow night. Oh, my. Tomorrow night she is in hell. Oh, and she can't f- forget it. Abraham says, she quotes Proverbs 27 Both, oh, not thy of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. I know people don't believe that, but still, so, that little girl in hell is quoting that scripture trying to get people to get me out of hell. I'm in her memory, and that scripture's in her memory, and that night's in her memory, and those tears the Holy Spirit produced her in her memory. I had to hang on to that seed to keep from yield into the Spirit's ruling, she'll never forget it. And we pass by the little girl, and Abraham says, Son, remember. I'm going to get into theology now. It's bigger than I am for just a minute. But the memory of the love of God will be the most terrible thing to torment you. Oh, the love of God. Don't limit it. Oh, it's greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. The say. God so loved the world as to give. Men despise it, take it for granted now. It'll haunt them throughout the reaches of eternal hell.
1: I'm here! Despite the fact
0: They'll never get away from it Anytime, Cowboy they lived on the northern plains of Texas. Went down to Louisiana in swamp land, to visit some folks, and there contracted that brand of swamp fever peculiar to that section. And after being a bed fast for a while, just, Boy, the open range, when he got strength enough to sort of hobble, he got on a train headed back for the plains of Texas. Still too weak to work. He got on his favorite cap on and just rode the range a while. The custom, he'd light at noon and have dinner. And at night, still all night, he just stayed out in the sun, rode the range. He came to a rancher that lived in a little dugout, he and his wife, just as the sun was going down and uh, the stranger rancher of course put him up for the night and uh, the next day after having heard the story of the ill condition of the boy and he had nothing particular to do the rancher said the stranger i take it's a great favor to me if you were to uh, stay around today and tonight he said it looks like i've just got to make a little journey and he said i hate to leave my wife alone unless you can stay and watch over and watch after. I, I can't make the journey. It's important fun. The cowboy said, why, I'd be glad to oblige. If I've got nothing to do. I'd be glad to stay and look after things. That night, about midnight, the cowboy was awakened by hearing the howl of a lobo wolf. He just kept howling. He listened, and then he thought he heard the scream of a woman. He listened a little longer and he was dead certain that he could hear a woman screaming. He got up and just put modesty aside, knocked on the woman's bedroom door, nobody answered directly. He timidly opened it, the bed was empty. He ran up the dugout stairs and out in that west Texas, midnight hour with the full moon he could see. Way down the road, he could see a woman running, with her hair streaming. He went and got on his California without a saddle, he used his mane for a bridle, galloped down the road, and overtook the screaming woman. It was this man's wife. She was crazy. She fought him. Finally, slapped her enough to where she came somewhat to her senses and put her on the horse and led the horse with the woman on it back to the dugout. Then like a little child, he picked her up in his arms and carried her to the bed. And then he bathed her forehead with cool water, rag, and stroked the pulses. Finally, she went to sleep. And the next day, the husband came back, and as a cowboy went to take leave, he said, my friend, I think maybe I ought to tell you what happened last night. And he did. And the husband said, I was hoping it wouldn't happen. But he said, I guess I ought to tell you about it. He said, a year ago I was away. And my wife was outside the dugout scrubbing on an old washboard, you know, washing the clothes. Now a little two-and-a-half-year-old baby girl was playing about a skirts. Of course, every once in a while the mother would look around. But she got a little busy and her attention was drawn by the growl of a great big old lobo wolf and immediately that growl he, he turned around just in time to see that wolf lunge and grab her little girl by the calf of her leg and start trotting down the prairie. The mother did of course what only a mother would
1: have had sense enough to do. She just intuitively leaped.
0: But she missed. She ran after that lobo wolf, dragging her little baby behind. Said, I came back, my wife was gone. We got some neighbors. We scanned and searched and came on my wife, face scratched, almost crazy, out of her mind. Didn't know where she was. But we never found any part of the baby except the little part of her little dress. She said, you know, stranger, oh, I've had a pretty hard time this past year, that every time she hears the howl of a lobo wolf, she remembers. She remembers. She remembers. She remembers. Oh, sin! every remembrance of the love of God that comes to you in hell will set you screaming and howling. I'm in hell despite the fact that in love God hung his son on a tree. I'm in hell in spite of that. That's something of what hell is. I wish you wouldn't go there. There's much waiting on God around here. there are numbers of people in the valley of agony crying to God to open people's hearts let them see themselves oh I wish you'd become alarmed and seek the Lord until you found him a precious hiding place, and a savior. And now I come to invite you, don't go to hell, don't keep on resisting, don't keep on rebelling. Instead of saying no, say yes. If God had not taken his hand off of you, then you can. Amen. Just do it. God helps you to do it. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we commit this invitation to thy tender mercy. You love sinners more than we do. And we're we're glad that you, are the only one, get the job done now. And we turn it over to you and say, Lord, for what you do or don't do, we thank you. In Jesus' name, enable people, gird people up, be merciful to every seeking heart, for his bloodstained name, sacred praise, amen.
2: This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books.